episode 799. It's the eve of the NFL draft, which means it's time for our annual mock draft episode. To share his predictions for the Green Bay Packers, we have Cheesehead TV's own Dan Dalkey joining us. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. <laughs> Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and we're talking today about the NFL draft. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by Dan Dalkey of Cheesehead TV's Draft Guide and also a writer at LombardiAv.com. Dan, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing very well. I'm excited. It's draft week. I'm excited to talk about this and uh, see how this whole thing plays out. Yeah, we're going to do our annual mock draft episode here on the show. I'll share mine a little bit later. First, we're going to go through Dan's Green Bay Packers mock draft. So, Let's kick it off here, Dan, with the first round. What is your prediction of the player you think best fits the Packers that's still likely to be available with the 29th overall pick? Yeah, this has been a tough year to predict the first round for me. Uh, there's been a lot of guys I like, and I feel like there's so many directions we could go. I do think it'll ultimately be defense. And uh, as much as I'd like them to take an edge rusher here, I really like, you know, Charles Harris and Derek Rivers from Youngstown State. I think Rivers is a guy that could could sneak into the end of the first round and fit really well with the Packers. I do think ultimately the Packers will go cornerback. Um, that is their biggest immediate need right now on the roster. And that's, I think, where the, the most quality players will be available at the end of the first round. And out of the group of cornerbacks that will be available, it's really kind of a personal preference, I think, which, which guy you like. Um, I do think Conley and Lattimore will be gone by then. I think even a guy like Marlon Humphrey from Alabama will probably be gone by them because of his raw athletic ability. So I think out of the remaining group, um, the guy I like and the guy I've liked throughout the whole draft process is Quincy Wilson from Florida. I know a lot of people are kind of knocking him because of his 40 time, but I think his 40 time was, I think it's getting a little too much criticism uh, in the media. You know, he ran in the low four or five range. I think that's a solid 40 time, especially especially for a defensive back of his size. You know, some guys win with speed, some guys win with size and length, and I think Wilson's the latter. And uh, I think he's a very solid athlete. Uh, he's a big guy, physical, 6'1", 211 pounds. He actually ran one of the, the quickest uh, short shuttle times of the combine from the defensive backs at a little over four seconds. So he's a guy that's really quick, good lateral movement, really fluid hips, uh, good change of direction ability, which is rare for a defensive back of his size. I've just been really impressed with his film. I thought he's one of the more impressive press corners um, in this draft. And he's a guy that can lock down on the on the outside, and you don't have to worry about him. I mean, the, at, at in Florida, you know, the, the Gators barely gave him any safety help. And so he's a guy that can lock, lock on one-on-one. -on -one. And he's physical, and I like that. He brings a little attitude to the field. But he's a great kid off the field. I mean, everything I've heard, he's, he's an A-plus guy with work, work ethic and just character. He's kind of a guy you want in your locker room. So I like Wilson a lot. He's got good ball skills. He can make plays. I like his ability in man coverage, and so I'm going to take Wilson in the first round. 
Yeah, interesting pick. He's got some elite traits. Speed isn't one of them, but no. what he doesn't have in speed, he does have. He might be the best press corner in this this year's draft class. So uh, definitely a guy that that's something you can build off of right there. And it's not like he's slow by any means, just not among the fastest in this class. All right, Dan, let's move to round two, day two now. Uh, in the second round, uh, the Packers didn't address, you know, pass rusher. Is this where you go with the second round? Yeah, this is where I'm going to go with an edge rusher. Uh, I think it's really smart for them to take a developmental guy early and a guy that could be the future at their position. In the second round, I have Houston outside linebacker Tyus Bowser. Now, I know he's getting some hype in the first round. I think that's a little rich for me. I've always kind of viewed him as a late second, early third round guy. His athletic testing is just off the charts. He's in the 95th percentile of edge rushers at the combine. I um, mean, you know, he ran in the 4 6 range. His vertical topped the linebacker group at, in Indianapolis with 37 and a half inches. His broad was good, his three cone was good. Uh, so, good athlete overall. Uh, you just didn't always see it on the field. I mean, you saw the athletic traits, but you didn't see a lot of playmaking. He did have eight sacks this last year, and he missed a few games. Um, he actually missed a few games because he got in a fight with a teammate in the locker room, and, and they, they were slugging each other, and he broke a bone in his face. So he's got some, some things. He's got a little bit of baggage, but overall he's a, he's a good athlete. You know, he's 6'3", in the 240 range, 33-inch arms. So he's got all the things you like at outside linebacker. You just don't always see it on the field. So I think he's a developmental guy. You know, he's got some – he needs to develop as a pass rusher. You see him drop in space a lot in film. He actually looks decent in coverage, and so some people like him as, like, an off-ball linebacker. But I think he, he's got all the things you want as a 3-4 outside linebacker. And he does win a lot with speed on the edge, so you just wanted to see him – you want to see him develop his hands. You want to see him develop some other moves. He needs to develop a bull rush, maybe get a little stronger. Uh, and he needs to have other counter moves besides just winning with speed. So I think it would be great if they drafted him at the end of the second round if he's available and have him develop behind Clay Matthews and Nick Perry. I mean, maybe in a year or two he'd be a really key contributor. But I think in the very least as a rookie, he could be like a situational pass rusher and they get a pretty pretty good quality, pretty good value there at the end of the second round. That's interesting. On Monday we just had Dane Brugler as our guest on the show, and he was kind of leading that charge of reporting that you know he yeah. could be an end-of-the-first-round type of guy. But it was interesting just to hear him uh, talk about him and his strengths and weaknesses. All right, sticking with day two, but now round three, Dan. Who do you have going in the third round to the Packers? Yeah, here's where I, I would really like them to go running back. You know, they could wait till the fourth round, maybe the – Maybe even the fifth round, there's just so many good guys in this mid-round range. But for number three, I really like uh, Samaje P. Ryan from Oklahoma. He's a guy that, you know, two years ago, everyone was talking about a lot. And, you know, as a true freshman, he ran for over 1,700 yards, had 21 touchdowns. And then as a sophomore, he ran for over 1,300 yards and had 16 touchdowns. And then last year, his, his production dipped a bit because he was splitting time with Joe Mixon. And, you know, Mixon has gotten a lot of the hype and a lot of the media attention, and he is a great player. But I have always liked P. Ryan, and P. Ryan has just been so solid. And I think you know what you're getting with P. Ryan. There's not really anything, you know, there's no surprises with him. You know, he's a big back, just a little under six feet, over 230 pounds, but he carries his weight really well, and he's just really built. And uh, he's one of the strongest backs in the draft. I mean, he benched at the combine of, of 30 reps of 225, and, He's got almost the strength of a lineman, and uh, you see that on the field. He'll run over guys. 
He's not afraid to uh, embrace contact. And he's just kind of a, you know, that brute that you want in the backfield. And I really think that's what the Packers need. I know they could go a lot of different directions. Some people like them taking Kamara or like Marlon Mack or, you know, you know, maybe even Delvin Cook and those kind of guys. But I really think because they already have Montgomery, who's kind of a scat back and a change of pace guy, I'd like to them to see, I'd like to see them get kind of a down by down running back, a guy that can carry the ball, get those tough yards. And I think that's P. Ryan. Um, just a really solid player. And he actually has like smooth footwork. He's not, he's not like an awkward athlete. And so I think he's, he's got good cutback ability and he has a lot of experience running out of the shotgun. And that's why I like his fit with the Packers. We know they want to do a lot of hurry up and P Ryan's used to that. He can pick up the blitz. He's not a great receiver. Uh, he's not a guy that's going to be really deadly in the open field, but he's decent. Like he has underrated hands and he's decent as like a check down guy. So I think his combination with Montgomery is a great fit or maybe some of these other backs that are more dynamic would be, uh, it'd be it'd feel like it feels like they'd be picking the same player that they already have at the position. So I like a guy like Piran a lot, kind of a bruising back that can carry a, a full game's load and be their bell cow. Yeah, I couldn't blame the Packers if they wanted P. Ryan in round three because I'm not sure he lasts, you know, uh, another 32 picks or whatever it is to, to the end of round four. So uh, I like him a lot, too. And w- w- watching him that game when he broke the single game rushing record uh, was absolutely amazing. All right, let's move to day three, Dan. Uh, round four, though, for the Green Bay Packers. Who you got going? Yeah, here's where I have him going offensive line. And there's a lot of good mid-range, mid-round offensive lineman. This isn't a great offensive line class, but I think especially at guard, uh, I think this is where you can get a decent guard that could start. And luckily, we don't need to tackle. Um, but the guy I have is Sean Harlow. He's offensive lineman from Oregon State. And he was 6'4", 300 pounds. He's a decent athlete. I wouldn't say he's an elite athlete. Uh, he ran a decent shuttle time in the 4'8 range. He uh, was had one of the top verticals of all the offensive linemen at the combine showing he has good lower body power. And so I think he's more of a power player than an athlete. And he played tackle at Oregon state and he actually had, he played time uh, the last two years, but split time between left tackle and right tackle. And the Packers love to draft a tackle and then move him to guard. We know this. Um, so I think they're going to like his ability in pass protection, but as a tackle in the NFL, he's just not quite a good enough athlete. So he's going to need to move to guard. He also has shorter arms, so I think that's why he's also going to move to guard. He's got like 32-inch arms. And his game is more power. He's a really strong punch off the line. Uh, he has decent shuffle ability, but I think guard is his ultimate spot. And I like his his fit in the zone scheme in the, in the Packers offense. And so I think Harlow's a, a solid player. He's also He also has experience playing all five positions, so the Packers will like that versatility. So I think Harlow's the man in round four. Very cool. Uh, Moving on to round five, the Packers have two picks in round five. So the first of which, who do you think goes? I think this is the area where they could take a linebacker. I do think they need to add another inside linebacker, especially one with good athleticism, a guy that can hold up in coverage. So here I have them taking uh, Kansas State linebacker Elijah Lee. He's a guy I've actually been pretty high on, but I'm not hearing a lot of buzz about. So I do think he'll drop a bit in the draft. Um, I have a fourth-round grade on him, so I think here in the fifth round, that's great value. You know, he's not very big, he's but he is long. So he has six, he's six foot three, about two hundred twenty-eight to two hundred thirty pounds. So he's not really a, a you know an inside run stuffer or anything like that. 
He's a really good athlete at his pro day. He ran in the four six range. He had a thirty eight inch vertical, which would have been the highest mark at the combine. But he was a combine snub. He didn't. He wasn't invited. Um, he had a really good broad jump, really good shuttle time, so good movement of ability. And you see that on tape. He's just a really good space player. So he he can drop in coverage. He can run sideline to sideline. And he is physical, even though he's an undersized guy. He will hit people. And he's just a solid, really solid player. And I like his coverage ability. Um, that's kind of the main reason I'd have them picking him. You know, he had five interceptions the last two years as a starter and eight pass breakups. So he makes a lot of plays in coverage. I think that's something they really need on defense. Um, I don't mind Martinez and Ryan as kind of those early down linebackers, but I do think they need another nickel linebacker to play on third downs and take on slot receivers and tight ends in coverage. Uh, interesting name, uh, one I haven't heard a lot about and uh, kind of makes me want to go uh, dig a little deeper into a guy like Elijah Lee. Uh, all right, Dan, the Packers have two picks round five, like we said, so what do they do with the second of the two? The second one's, I, you know, it's kind of tough. They could go a lot of different directions. Um, here I have them taking Jehu Chesson, the receiver from Michigan. Um, a year ago, like before before the, this last college season started, I thought this guy was an early round receiver. Um, in 2015, he was Michigan's leading receiver, and he looked like he had all the tools to be a good NFL receiver. And then last year, he just kind of, kind of fell off the map and, 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 you know, Amaro Darbo kind of took over as the Wolverines main target and this guy was in the background. So he, he's got good size and athletic traits. So he's six two, 200 pounds, ran in the four fours at the combine has a good vertical, good three cone time. It just, you didn't see it all come, come to fruition on, on the field. So he only had okay production. Uh, he didn't, he didn't uh, get the ball a lot last year. So I think he's kind of getting pushed down the board. Um, but I think he's a decent athlete. He's a really polished route runner. His hands need to get more consistent. Um, he needs to make more plays. Uh, but I think he'd be an interesting guy to develop on the roster. He's got good speed and size. He'd be a good boundary guy in the Packers offense. Um, I think they could bring him in, have him develop behind Adams and Nelson on the outside, and maybe compete for a, a roster spot with Jeff Janice. I think he also has returnability. So when he, when he does make catches, you see some good after-the-catch uh, running ability, so I think he could be a potential returner for the Packers. So kind of a, a solid role player uh, immediately, and maybe a guy they developed down the down the down the line. Very cool. Uh, all right, moving on to the sixth round. Then uh, we're, we might be getting to the point where uh, Packers might be double dipping. Is that the case, or not yet? Yeah, this is the case. Uh, here I have him taking a defensive back again. Uh, this guy is Chuck Clark from Virginia Tech. He was a college safety that played some cornerback. And here I'd, I would take him and with a, with the a goal in mind to have him be the next Micah Hyde on their defense. So he is a, a good safety, really good in coverage, um, but a lot of people project him uh, maybe as like a nickel corner. Uh, he's really physical up at the line of scrimmage. He's really good in run support, so he's a solid tackler. Um, he had t 21 pass breakups as a three-year starter, but he didn't have a lot of interceptions, so he, he doesn't have, like, exceptional ball skills, but he's a really solid tackler. Uh, good good lateral movement, so he, he finished well in shuttle time and three-cone time at the combine. He, he only has okay speed, so he ran in the mid-four-fives, kind of like Micah Hyde. But he's six foot, over 200 pounds, physical guy. I think he has the coverage ability to be a good nickel corner, kind of like Hyde was, um, good reserve safety. Uh, so I have him taking Clark 
as a role player, a special teams guy, and a guy that could eventually be their nickel corner. Very cool. Uh, I looked up Clark a little bit, and I like him too. Uh, finally, uh, last round then, seventh round, what do the Packers do with their final pick of the 2017 draft? So with their final pick, I have them taking Cooper Rush, the quarterback from Central Michigan. I see them using the last pick as finding a quarterback that they could develop on their roster. Maybe they get a guy like this in undrafted free agency, but, you know, I think they would – I think they would use a late-round pick on a quarterback uh, with the idea in mind that they're going to be trading Hundley next season. So they need to have a guy in their system for at least a year to take over Hundley's backup spot if Hundley is traded. So Cooper Rush is a four-year starter. He, he played really well in the MAC conference. He threw over 3,000 3, yards for three of his last four years, um, threw over 20 touchdowns each of those seasons. He was kind of completed about 65% of his passes. His, his production went down a little bit last year. He threw a little more interceptions than he typically does. Um, but he's a really smart player. I mean, he was a science major in college and with a 3.9 GPA. So I think he's a guy that McCarthy would like to develop. And he just looks like a, a, a potential Packer quarterback, and I think he'd be a really solid backup in a year or two. Very cool. Awesome, Dan. Uh, glad to get your uh, seventh round, seven round mock draft here on the show. Uh, before we let you go, I, I just want to ask you one question here. I know at Lombardi Ave, you do all sorts of uh, um, uh, player interviews in the run up to the draft and have been doing so for, for literally months. Uh, just is, is there any little tidbit you've learned from all these interviews you did with these guys that maybe. Uh, you didn't know going in or you think that's flying under the radar that you just learned by, by talking to these guys personally. Yeah, actually. Um, so my fifth round pick, Elijah Lee, the linebacker from Kansas state, I just interviewed him and we just released it earlier this week. Um, I didn't know he was a, how, well, I knew he had experience playing defensive end, but he actually came out of high school as a defensive end. And then at the middle of his freshman season, he, he didn't redshirt. So he's a true freshman. In the middle of his season at Kansas State, he's still a defensive end. And they actually, their, their starting linebackers got hurt, and they just pulled him out of the lineup and, and threw him into the game as a linebacker. And he had never taken reps as a linebacker. <laughs> he kind of just learned on the spot. He said it, he said it was funny because his whole you know second half of his freshman season, he started at linebacker, and he had never played linebacker in his life. And so he had to learn on the spot, and he said it was a, a good experience. But he's a guy that, like, seriously will do anything his coaches ask. Just an amazing attitude. And he actually ended up being one of the better, you know, Big 12 linebackers. So it's kind of a cool story um, to hear that from him and just how on the spot he had to just learn the new position. And as he's going to the sideline between plays, the coaches are trying to tell him things, how to drop in coverage <laughs> and how to pick up different, you know, uh, different reads on the defense. Because he was just used to rushing the passer and, I, I think it does help, though, to know that he has that background as a pass rusher, and uh, that's something extra you can bring to the field. So that was kind of a cool story to hear from him. Definitely, for sure. Dan, thank you so much. Uh, I know you live on the West Coast, so thank you for getting up with us this early hour to talk Packers draft. Enjoy the draft starting tomorrow, and uh, glad to have you on the show. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. All right. Take care. Dan Dalkey, Cheesehead TV's own draft guide contributor, uh, he was one of the guys breaking down the positions at uh, in our draft guide. If you haven't gotten yours yet, uh, believe me, the the draft is tomorrow. You're going to enjoy it. It's it's a Packers fan perspective how these guys would fit in in Green Bay. 
Go get your copy if you haven't already and read the great writing from Dan and all the other contributors, several of which we've had uh, on the run-up to the draft here on the show uh, over time. So uh, thanks to Dan for joining us. Thanks to you, the listener, for joining us as we continue on with the show. And now it's my my turn to present my annual one and only mock draft. Uh, This is one of my favorite episodes of the year, to tell you the truth. Uh, because I get to do a little prognosticating, and uh, I've had a, a, a modicum of success in the past. Uh, last year, getting the first-round draft pick of the Green Bay Packers correct, uh, I did pick Kenny Clark in our mock draft on Railbird Central. Um, like I said, I only do one of these. Uh, I don't come out with all sorts of different editions of mock drafts because I think when you do, yeah, well, when, by the time you're done and you, you pick 50 players, it's a pretty good chance that you'll get some of them correct. But anyway, here's what I think the Packers would do uh, if I were them, if I were on the staff of the Green Bay Packers, here's how I would conduct the NFL draft, starting with the first round draft pick and, and a guys who's a player whose name I've been thumping for, you know, since the NFL, since the college season ended in 2016. And we were talking about postseason all-star games and, and I know he didn't play in an all-star game, but yeah, uh, TJ Watt of Wisconsin and, and Please, for this whole entire draft, uh, it, you know, uh, cut me some slack. G- give me a break. If if you're just saying, oh, this is the same person that so-and-so projected or whatever, it, you know, give me a break. I mean, there's so many draft analysts out there that, uh, I mean, yeah, uh, it, it's inevitable that somebody has mocked these players to the Green Bay Packers or projected they would go here. Uh, I'm trying to give you my own perspective and my own spin on things, uh, but it is inevitable that, yeah, uh, other people have the same, uh, you know, predictions as me. Uh, it's just uh, that's the way things go. Uh, but, you know, if you've, if you've listened to the show, I've, I've talked about T.J. Watt an absolute ton, and I, I want to try to cover new ground here. Um, something in that, uh, you know, reading the, uh, the draft series by Bob McGinn over the past week or so at Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, something that kind of stood out to me. T.J. Watt finished first among all players in the front seven of this year's draft class in the following categories at the NFL Combine. He finished first or tied for first in the short shuttle, the three-cone drill, the broad jump, hand size, and the Wonderlick test. So, I, I mean, I, I kind of knew all these things about, you know, all the drills and measurements at the Combine. I didn't know about the Wonderlick. Um, uh, and it's, yeah, it, it's probably, you you don't want to place too much emphasis on Wonderlick scores. But, you, you know, what I am getting out of that is, is you're not only getting an elite athlete, you're also getting a player that's smart, and has the bloodlines, of course. And I think that's what makes him a first-round draft pick. In the first round of the NFL draft, why would you take a risk on a player when you already have an elite athlete there without the question marks? Like if Reuben Foster would somehow draft to the Green Bay Packers, but T.J. Watt is also still there, 
you know, why take Ruben Foster when there's all these question marks? You're still getting a really, really good heck of a player in TJ Watt. Um, I, I just don't think you want to, you know, fool around with the, uh, maybe you take that risk in round two with Ruben Foster for sure. But, but in round one, you invest so much money and you don't want to deal with that risk of suspension or at least a higher risk of suspension. So uh, that's why I would go TJ Watt. Obviously, if he comes off the board before the Green Bay Packers, there's nothing they can do about it. Uh, I'm thinking he there's a decent chance he'll be available at number 29. I have heard rumblings for some reason that the, the Detroit Lions seem to be uh, you know, interested in TJ Watt a few picks earlier. Uh, so be it, like I said, nothing I can do if he's off the board already, but if he's there, uh, I like him. I think he could be the pick for the green Bay Packers. Um, one other thing is, you know, obviously he's a different player than, than JJ, his brother who tends to, who is a defensive end, but also an interior rusher. He's just a bigger guy in general. And, and by and large, they play different positions in that, you know, JJ's more of defensive end traditional 4-3 a little bit uh, not that he couldn't do other things whereas TJ is more outside linebacker three down type of guy can rush can play the run can drop in coverage um, but I think the development of these two brothers though is similar in that they both came to college as tight ends both moved to the defensive side of the football both dealt with injury and became elite defenders in their final years in college. Um, it, you know, J.J. probably had a little bit more production his his penultimate year in college, but that that isn't to take anything away from T.J., who did deal with injuries, who dealt with the conversion. I think that held him back a little bit, but now he's learning from his brother, who probably sheds a lot of insight in, into how to win in the NFL or in, in football in general, if it was in college. And, and yeah, uh, that's that's my pick for the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Watt. I'm not, I'm sticking with it and not uh, deviating from it after I've been on that bandwagon for such a long time. And like I say, I like to think that it goes beyond the Wisconsin bias. I think he's just a really good player. Uh, and, and would look good in a Green Bay Packers uniform. If if Watt would happen to be gone, uh, I do I, I think Tredavious White fits really well in Green Bay, the cornerback from LSU, but that's just a secondary thought. Uh, T.J. Watt is the official prediction for the Green Bay Packers in the first round. Second round, we're going with the offensive lineman here, uh, Taylor Moton of Western Michigan, and I went with the tradition or the tendency or whatever you want to call it of the Packers taking tackles and converting them to guards, something, you know, Dan Dalkey just alluded to earlier on the show during his interview. I considered Deion Dawkins of Temple in this spot too, and that could very likely be the case if he's still on the board, but I gave the edge to a player like Taylor Moton because he has the right side experience playing both right guard and right tackle while at Western Michigan. And that's where the Packers have the opening is on the right side of the offensive line with TJ Lang departing. So, you know, I think the elite athletes play on the left side, 
but this year it, the the you know the need is on the right side for the Green Bay Packers and Taylor Moton is a Midwest guy uh part of the team that turned Western Michigan around from a 1 and 11 team a few years ago to one that went 13 and 1 this past season and went to the Cotton Bowl um along with you know Corey Davis was part of that team as well who's going to be drafted in probably the first round of this year's NFL draft uh, so, yeah, here the Packers address the offensive line, a potential replacement for T.J. Lang uh, at the right guard spot, although maybe not guaranteed. But certainly uh, you would think he would step in and compete for the job right away. Uh, so that's my second-round pick. Third round, uh, finally getting after a cornerback. Uh, my prediction here is Shaquille Griffin of Central Florida and some people might think the third round is too late to address the cornerback position in Green Bay, uh, but I think there's enough talent to get a good player still in the third round. I also considered like a Howard Wilson uh, of Houston here, um, uh, and, and I think that could very well be an option as well. But I gave Griffin the edge because he has no injury history to speak of, whereas a player like Wilson does. But Griffin... Uh, also has top-notch speed, something that I think the Packers could stand to replace in their secondary after parting ways with Sam Shields in the offseason. Griffin ran a sub 4 yard dash at the NFL Combine, and yet he also measured in at over 6 foot, uh, over 190 pounds. So he's got the side specio, pardon me, size speed ratio that you want. And he's also got bloodlines too. His twin brother, Shakem Griffin, uh, also played at UCF this past season. Uh, the twin brothers went to the same school. And his brother, was the American Athletic Conference Defensive Player of the Year. His brother's an amazing story. Uh, he was the Conference Defensive Player of the Year, and he did it without a left hand, which was amputated when he was a child. Not not Shaquille, the, the guy I'm projecting to the Packers, but his brother. Uh, just imagine if his brother actually had a hand and, and how much better he could be as a player with it. But anyway, I'm I'm saying that's a family of athletes right there, and, and I think that's you know what he's got going for him as well. And I, you're going to see that kind of be a theme throughout my mock draft: the bloodlines thing. T.J. Watt, Shaquille Griffin, and the next player too. My fourth round prediction for the Green Bay Packers: wide receiver Robert Davis of Georgia State. Uh, I I think some people might say fourth round is too high for a player like Davis, but I can make a very compelling argument for him. Uh, he, he's another that's got the elite bloodlines. His cousin is Thomas Davis, a Pro Bowl linebacker for the Carolina Panthers and a former first round draft pick and also the Walter Payton man of the year. So a high character guy, hopefully that rubs off a little bit on his cousin and I truly think the only reason people don't have Davis higher is that he played at Georgia State in the Sun Belt Conference. But, you know, to me, that it's not like that's Division Two football. It's still Division One, uh, And he's and, you know, amazingly, he got NFL caliber coaching when he was there from from some names Packers fans might remember. 
His head coach at Georgia State was Trent Miles, a former Packers assistant, and his offensive coordinator was Jeff Jagodzinski, the former Packers offensive coordinator. So, yeah, he, he got some guys coaching him who cut their teeth in the NFL. Uh, he also played well when Georgia State played the big schools. And, and, in fact, I saw him play in person when Georgia State played at Wisconsin this last year, and, and he scored a touchdown in that game, and he scored touchdowns in games against Oregon and Washington in previous seasons. Uh, so he played well against big schools when, when they played them in the non-conference portion of their schedule. And on top of it all, he's another elite athlete. At six foot two, he ran a 4-4 40-yard dash, and he can also jump out of the building with a vertical over 40 inches and a broad jump over 11 feet. I love Robert Davis and think he's easily a fourth-round draft pick. Uh, I think a lot of people have him pegged later, and I think he'll go earlier. So... Um, uh, I, I like him a lot um, and think he'd be a great fit for the Green Bay Packers, another uh, dangerous guy. And even if he didn't have great production at Georgia State, they they also had a very deep receiving core there. They got a guy, uh, a tight end there at Georgia State, Keith Rucker, who's, who's maybe not going to be a draft pick, but he's probably going to sign with the team as an undrafted free agent. Uh, at some point in this draft. And then they've got a guy who's who's staying in college, who's Pe- Penny Hart, who was like the conference's o- offensive freshman of the year. Uh, so they had some really talented guys where they, they had to spread the ball around, and that's one reason why Davis maybe didn't have the production he could have or should have. Um, and, and, you know, probably a knock on him by some people, but I can justify those kind of things when you look into them a little bit deeper. All right, getting to the fifth round, day three for the Green Bay Packers. With pick 5A in the fifth round, I'm picking a running back. And I think the Packers have to get a big back in this draft, not necessarily one the size of any Lacey by any means. But ask yourself this, what if Ty Montgomery suffers an injury this year? The Packers need a workhorse back, a bell cow back, one that can carry the load. And I think there's plenty of running backs I like this year that can be found in the middle rounds, like Samaje P. Ryan, like Dan Dalkey predicted, uh, Corey Clement of Wisconsin, Jamal Williams of BYU, Brian Hill of Wyoming. I'm going with Devian Smith of Michigan here. Uh, I like all of them, although, you know, the other guys I mentioned could be gone at this point in the draft. And what leaves Devion Smith still on the board is a somewhat disappointing 40-yard dash that was over 4.7 seconds. But now remember, this was a guy that was over 220 pounds. Uh, So I also don't think that automatically eliminates him from, you know, consideration either, even if he had a somewhat slower 40-yard dash. You'll remember that Devion Smith was one of those guys that received the promotion from the from the Shrine game to the Senior Bowl back during the All-Star Circuit, and people were impressed with him as an all-around back, a guy that can you know pass block and catch passes out of the backfield in addition to carrying the football. 
And that's what I like about Smith. He seems to be a heady guy and a guy that could protect Aaron Rodgers. And he also seems to have a lot of tread on the tires. He wasn't a 300-carry-a-year guy at Michigan. He had right about 180 carries in each of the past two years. And you wish his yards per carry were a little bit better. He he averaged about 4.5 yards per carry pretty consistently. Uh, But I think, you know, hey, if you do that in the NFL – um, and, and I think he can, and he can be a short yardage guy for you. I, I think he can be a good, decent back for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, with pick 5B uh, in the fifth round, I'm going with defensive back Brian Allen of Utah. With Allen, this is a developmental pick. Uh, he's another athlete with tons of speed, and, and although he didn't play a ton at Utah, um, he is six foot three and 215 pounds, and he still ran a four four three at the combine. With that size, I, I think a move to safety is a possibility. But you can certainly the Packers could leave him at cornerback first and see if he can handle it. He was a former wide receiver coming into college and even his first few years, but switched positions to the defensive side. And even though I think he's a developmental kind of guy, with his size and speed, I think he can be used on special teams immediately while you figure out where to use him in the secondary. And he doesn't have to be used on on the defensive side right away, especially after drafting Shaquille Griffin in round three that I predicted. Uh, The Packers can afford to develop the defensive back while getting him uh, used on special teams putting that size and speed to use pretty much immediately. Uh, So that's why my justification for the pick there. Moving to round six, uh, I've got the Packers taking offensive lineman Chase Roulier uh, of Wyoming in the sixth round. Uh, You know, he, he came out of a Wyoming program that won their division in the Mountain West this past season, and I think Roulier was a big part of that. He blocked for running back Brian Hill and quarterback Josh Allen, who something could be a first-round draft pick as a quarterback next year. Uh, It's a ways off. But anyway, I I think one of the best things that Roulier offers is that he has both center and guard experience. And, And I think that center experience is especially important after taking my second round pick, Taylor Moton, he's not a center. He's a, he's a guard tackle guy. Uh, so every team in the NFL needs a backup center that they're very comfortable with. Um, you know, the Packers had that last year. They had Corey Lindsley, and if he got injured, they had J.C. Treader, and it was actually the opposite way around because uh, Lindsley began the year injured last year. But anyway, they had two guys that were reliable that you, you, were, you were comfortable with. Now, ask yourself, if Corey Lindsley suffers a season-ending injury in training camp, the Packers need a guy that can start 16 games for them. Right now, Don Barclay is that backup, and we all know his shortcomings. The Packers need to bring a guy in that can compete with Don Barclay, and watching Roulier and a limited amount of film on him, he's got good movement skills for a big guy is like a pull blocker. So that's another credit to him. Uh, so again, a guard center guy, I think, could play both positions, provide depth at both positions, maybe even compete for that starting job. I don't want to put that kind of burden on a player right away. 
Uh, but, hey, bring him in, see what he can do, and provide depth at the very least. And, yeah, I think the Packers could easily take two offensive linemen in this year's NFL draft. Okay, finally, last pick, seventh round for the Green Bay Packers. I'm going with an inside linebacker. Uh, finally, over seven rounds, I didn't have the Packers addressing inside linebacker yet. So for the life of me, I, I don't get why Marcus Oliver of Indiana doesn't seem to be talked about or ranked higher uh, than nearly all the draft analysts have him, uh, which seems to be really low. So here's the, the story on Marcus Oliver. First of all, he was one of the few underclassmen to declare for the NFL draft and not receive an invitation to the NFL Combine. And that happens to, uh, you know, a handful of guys. That's not necessarily uncommon. But here's a guy, Marcus Oliver, that ranks second in Big Ten history with 12 forced fumbles. That's behind only Ryan Kerrigan's 14 forced fumbles. And Oliver, remember, was an underclassman entry. He would have had a chance to break that record had he stayed in school for his senior season. And on top of that, he was also part of a group that became a very respectable defense at Indiana this past season. Their defense had been a joke for, for decades, really. And, and finally, in 2016, they were good, maybe not great, but better than any Indiana defense in a long, long time, and I think Oliver was a big part of that. His measurables aren't elite, but I think they stack up with other late-round prospects, certainly. And once again, I can't figure out why he wasn't rated higher. If if there's some off-the-field stuff I'm not aware of, I apologize. But I tried to do some digging on him, and I couldn't come up with anything, so... Uh, I think he's a draftable prospect and uh, one that I think is flying under the radar for a lot of people. Uh, I also considered the I could really see the Packers taking a punter. Uh, I like the guy that's coming out of Idaho, uh, Austin Rico. Um, if he's still there in the seventh round, I'm not sure he lasts that far, but I could see the Packers addressing that as well. There you go. There is my 2017 mock draft for the Green Bay Packers. I'll write all these names down on the blog post for this show at Cheesehead TV if you wanted to take a look at it. Uh, but, yeah, I had a lot of fun trying to put this together, trying to you know guess where guys will still be available, where they'll come off the board. It, it, it is guesswork. I mean, like I said, you know, sometimes uh, guys are going to come off before uh, I predicted them too early. Uh, other guys too late, uh, they'll last longer, whatever. Uh, this is my, my best guess at what the Green Bay Packers will do over the course of the next, you know, the next three days, uh, starting on Thursday, day one, uh, Friday, day two, uh, rounds two and three, and then Saturday, day three, rounds four through seven, and adding some undrafted, uh, on players after that. But there you go. My mock draft for 2017 after you got Dan Dulkies before that. So it was a lot of fun doing that. And, and now uh, it's just time to watch the draft. We had a lot of great episodes, I think, here at Railbird Central in the run-up to the draft. So many kind of guys who focus on the draft almost year-round. You know, we just had Dane Brugler on Monday. I'm trying to remember all the guests we had on the show 
uh, Ben Fennell of the NFL Network, uh, Eric Gelko of Optimum Scouting, Joe Marino of NDT Scouting. The list goes on. I can't name all these guys off the top of my head without a list in front of me, but by all means, feel free to go back to previous episodes where we have a lot of draft talk, uh, something I love talking about on the show, and we had a lot of guests to do so over the past you know, weeks and really months since the end of the last football season to kind of get us to this point. So uh, enjoy the NFL draft, everyone. We'll be back again with another episode of Railbird Central on Friday. Uh, uh, Scott McKenna is going to join us once again uh, in his in atypical spot for him. Usually he joins us the second Friday of every month, but being it's the NFL draft, he's going to help us break down the first round draft pick of the Green Bay Packers, whoever that player may be. So we'll break that down Wednesday, or pardon me, Friday. Railbird Central airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's a live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. We'll see you, folks. Like I said, enjoy the draft. We'll break it all down in just a few days. I leave you today with a song called, um, if I can find it here, Golden Ghost by Lotus on Psy Fidelity Records. See you later, everyone. Go. Pack, go. <laughs>